Hi, I'm Jeremy Leslie. Welcome to the 26th episode of the Mag Culture Podcast. We're here at the Mag Culture Shop as autumn is at its most beautiful. It's been a crisp, bright day in London today as the Mag Culture team complete their recovery after Mag Culture Live, which um, successfully turned in person a couple of weeks back. You can read more about that on the journal and a video of the day is also available on Vimeo. In this episode, we catch up with Daniel Pender, the founder of Riposte, as the 13th issue of her magazine appears after a break of a couple of years. We look back to early this year when the Modernist team joined us here at the shop to mark their 40th edition. And our back issue is football title Mundial, which ended its print edition just at the beginning of lockdown about 18 months ago. So uh, welcome, Daniel. It's been a while since we saw you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's good to have you back. It's lovely to have the magazine back. It's been, what, two years? What's been happening? Yes, it has been two years. Our last issue was issue 12, and that came out in November 2019. So since then, we well, after that issue, we kind of went into production for the next issue, and then the pandemic hit. So around sort of February, March time, we had things lined up to, to do an issue all around joy, and it didn't feel so joyful <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Okay, um, talk about a, a, a bad fitting yeah, theme. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then also a lot of the brand partners pulled out. We had some events and some um, like studio side projects. They all got canned. The backer for the issue pulled out, so we basically had no money. Um, <laughs> it so, just all went horribly wrong, to be so honest. So it was all on hold for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it feels weird that it was two years ago. If Obviously, the pandemic's been like 18 months, mm -hmm. um, but it's just been such a bizarre time, as I'm sure it has been for everybody. And last year, Riposte kind of went on a bit of a hiatus just because of everything that I said. And there was nothing happening in terms of like, we normally make our money through brand partnerships and events and they just weren't happening. I almost can't measure the last two years because sort of nothing yeah. happened. It was just kind yeah. of like, it, there's no signposts or things that you can look back on and think, oh, I remember when that happened or that. It's just a blur. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone was just sort of lurching from one lockdown to the next. And even the bits in between were mm -hmm. really bizarre. So yeah, like you said, there was, there was no sort of milestones to sort of latch on to. Well, let's hope that things like the return of Riposte are a, <laughs> are a positive move forward. Yeah, it feels like a positive time. Even if things are still very weird, it feels like we are learning to live with, mm -hmm. the, with COVID a little bit better and things are still very difficult for a lot of people. But it feels like in terms of Riposte, specifically like yeah this has been a really positive mm -hmm. experience and the theme for the next issue is care so that was a really nice topic to explore with different people and it sort of gave a really good like respite from what was actually happening to then focus on some sort of nice conversations and inspiring conversations as well. Well, we're going to have a closer look at that. But first of all, you've been having a flick through the shelves here, yes. at, the, here at the shop and, and you've picked out a few magazines that caught your eye. What have you got there? I picked out this amazing, I've never seen it before. I don't know what it is, called Mean Time. It is a sort of A6 size and the top right hand corner looks like it's been bitten away. Um, this is issue three and you were saying it was from Singapore? It is from Singapore. Um, yeah, it is issue three. It's one of those unique Singapore projects which you sort of almost don't know very much about, but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and it looks like it reminds me of 
this sort of same style as rubbish scene, mm-hmm. but you were saying that you didn't think it was the same people, but it has that like real like bizarre but very intriguing, very tactile mm-hmm. feel to it. And it feels like there's a lot of sort of family focused stories or very local stories. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to digging into that. But it looks amazing. It is a very personal project. I think it's annual. It's almost a sort of history project, I think. It's is the meantime, it's just sort of looking back and the experiences people have had. Which, yeah. Um, I haven't dug into it enough to know what the theme of this one is, but it, j- just to reiterate, the, there is a whole corner, the top right-hand corner has been bitten off as if someone's chewed it. <laughs> and I, I think this is what I really like about print and magazines is that experimental side of things and like making it a bit more personal and making it intriguing. I think these formats are amazing and it's, it, it, I'm always drawn to things like this that are a bit different. And then you've also got Now You Know. Yes, from Sound Advice. So during the various lockdowns of last year and during the Black Lives Matter protests, I was following a lot of what they were doing online. So it's really amazing to see. I haven't seen this print issue and I think this is the second print run of the same issue. I'm looking forward to digging into this as well because there's so it's very dense. Like There's a lot of articles, a lot of different perspectives, which I think really important to spend time with rather than like anything you get a different experience reading it in mm-hmm. print than you do sort of scrolling through instagram or even on websites and stuff so this i'm really looking forward to getting into this and that's presenting lots of alternative narratives around architecture and and, and the, yeah the architecture and, and design, design. Yeah. yeah and yeah it's just a lot of different perspectives and this caught my eye you do not have the answer to a problem you don't understand which i think is really important to bring those different not even different perspectives, just perspectives that we should all be listening to mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. look at these problems as a whole. I'm looking forward to that. And then I really love The Plant, which feels like... I had a copy of this over the first lockdown and when I couldn't get... Well, you couldn't go anywhere. And it did feel like a real escape because of the size of it, because the photography is always really beautiful. It's all sort of landscapes and gardens and nature. It's really amazing. And they just do it so well. I think sometimes when magazines are just pages and pages of photography, I'm not that mm-hmm. interested. But the plants has a really nice balance and I'm always intrigued by what they do. And it just feels amazing as well. Yes, it always does. It always does. And they also have a rich vein of illustration as well. And it's all, um, as you say, it's, it's, it's easy to pump out lots of imagery but it's much harder to sort of just perfect that imagery and present it in a well-created manner yeah and I think as well like they don't have how many maybe it's like 11 12 features which Mm -hmm. isn't loads but like you say it's really well curated it's really well thought out and it's just again like you can fill magazines with loads of stuff very easily and it's I think it's more interesting to have it more sort of hand-picked curated really well thought out and this certainly is it's one of those magazines that's hugely popular, which I think is worth noting. The previous one you were looking at, Now You Know, has been really, really popular, which is satisfying from a kind of political and, and you know, research point of view. But the plant, I mean, that's actually the last issue. It's, I think we're expecting a new issue soon, but that, I think, there's only a few left on our shelf, but it's been hugely popular over the lockdown because people want that escape. Yeah, definitely, especially in cities. You know, there was a point where... You couldn't even go to parks and so something like that was a real a real escape, a real treat. 
I wanted to pitch in with one further perspective on what a magazine might be, and that is the new issue of The Fence, which is kind of a satirical oh, magazine from London, which has an element of private eye or something like that. I laughed about it, maybe a bit more literary. But they, um, they do this thing where they do a survey. They ask a bunch of people for their reminiscences around a particular subject, and they had this one thing, which, uh, the, uh, the new issue opens with this, which is, what did your parents lie to you about? <laughs> And there's a whole load of stuff. But there, there was one in particular which would just made me laugh. Uh, my mum used to say that she would take me back to the boy library and exchange me for another one. <laughs> when we were going to visit London, she found the entry for the body shop in the A to Z and said that was where she was going to swap me. <laughs> just like, oh, poor child. I love stuff like that. <laughs> poor child. They're very funny like that. So there's lots of beautiful il- uh, illustration. The cover is uh, by Nishant Chowski, who, who does a lot of... Uh, uh, illustration for magazines. What's uh, that called? The fence. It's the fence. Yeah, um, I'm not sure whether that comes from sitting on the fence. I don't think. Well, I don't think it does sit on the fence, or whether or whether it's somebody selling you dodgy stuff down the pub. Yeah. But, but it's a really interesting, interesting magazine, and again, hugely popular um, and, and growing, but very different. I mean, we've got a big, big, glamorous magazine like The Plant. We've got a series of essays with Now You Know, and then meantime, a thing from Singapore. And then this is a, a London-based you know, a new satirical magazine. It's all happening. Yeah, it's great to see. I really like this parental lies. My mum used to, um, whenever the ice cream van came round and the music played, she would say that he was playing the music because he didn't have any ice creams left. (laughs) (laughs) At what point did you see through that? Pretty quickly, I think. So I was like, well, why were all the kids lining up, you liar? Yeah. But you're a mum now, so, I mean... I know. Have you had occasion to to tell a non-truth? I mean, I'm sure I have. I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's some. Mm. You're not only up, that's fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Let's turn to the new issue anyway, new issue of Riposte, um, which at first glance is quite familiar. There are the two different covers. There's the picture cover and the text cover. But then when you start looking a bit more closely, you realise there are some changes. I want to come to those. But... um, as I said, it's great to have it back, but I sense at one point that, you know, you alluded to, there was almost a sense it might not come back. Is that, is that? Yeah, I think in the middle of lockdown, it was just like re-evaluating everything, like what you wanted, what I wanted to do with my life, what Chaz wanted mm. to do with it. You're the art, your art director. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think it felt like what, I wasn't sure what place printed magazines had when everyone was you know, like on their screens and it just didn't, yeah, I was just, I kind of forgot about it for a while and that was really nice and then did some but, other stuff. Had it become stressful in its own right or was it just the, the, the lockdown? I mean, the, the inability to get the joy issue of, Yeah, of I think and... it was, it was the inability to like get the money, get the magazine done. I think it was just, it had got to the point where I was a bit over it. Like it's a lot of work and... And we had been doing like a lot of brand work, which is also quite exhausting. And I think I was just like, also took it for granted quite a lot. You know, when you're doing something all the time, you sort of forget why you got into it or why you like doing it in the first place. The the doing it becomes a thing. Yeah, Yeah, and it just became like really quite mundane and like a bit of a chore. And so then having the break from that was really good because I did a lot of other stuff. I didn't really think about it for a mm-hmm. while. Stopped checking my emails. Was that other stuff work orientated, or, or you were concentrating on other things altogether? Or yeah, I wrote um, I wrote a book, and that was really like 
something totally different mm -hmm. and like really refreshing to do that. Tell us about that. So it's a collection of 12 short stories that comes out in April next year. And it's all about, um, it's called Watching Women and Girls. And it's all about the experience of either being watched or internalising that gaze mm -hmm. and then projecting it or kind of what women do when no one's watching. So it's 12 different characters, different narratives. And they're all yours, you're your stories. Yeah, Great. Wow. yeah. So that comes out with Harper Collins next mm -hmm. year. So that was like a totally different thing. And I really loved doing that. But then at the same time, it's very insular. And I was just like writing on my own and I kind of missed like the team mm -hmm. effort of putting a magazine together so then springtime this year I th started to think about the next issue and then thinking about just repost as a business and we in the summer brought out we started the membership so we we've started doing um, monthly digital editions mm -hmm. so they have a different theme each month there's like eight to ten different articles they're quite short to be read on your phone. And how's that gone? It's good, really good. Mm -hmm. And I think doing that was like a real good kick up the arse, like to kind of do stuff again and see that people were still interested. Because also it's like, who cares? I think it was mm -hmm. a bit of like, is there any need for repost anymore? Who's even interested? So the digital side of stuff was really interesting to sort of see if there was any interest so that's like a monthly rolling thing, which has been really fun to do. And then people subscribe to that. Yes, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. So and that works. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's really good. And then we started working on this issue 13 in August. And the way that I've always done it in the past is that I've had like brand conversations alongside making the issue. But this time, because it's a lot of money and it's never guaranteed, I kind of left the make in the magazine until we actually had the budget so we worked with Uniqlo on this issue and that was all confirmed like end of August and it had to come out like last week uh -huh. <laughs> to hit one of their deadlines. So all then it was all quite like quick. Mm -hmm. um, but that also was interesting and like a good way to do it because sometimes you can like labour over, you know, everything. Yeah. And yeah. it was quite good just like we got all the content in, in a month and then the designers had a month to do mm -hmm. it and mm -hmm. then it went to print. And um, you enjoyed the process having... Yeah. Left. Yeah, the one thing that I did miss was working with uh, Shaz Madani, who's been the creative director since the start. Mm -hmm. But because the money came in late and it all got confirmed really late, she had three big jobs lined up um, in that time, so just couldn't mm -hmm. take it on. So that was a sort of... Yeah, it was quite sad, but then a bit of an opportunity to just to do something different mm -hmm. so we work with a practice for everyday life on this issue and then Shaz will be working again mm -hmm. on like on the next one I wanted to ask you about that because as, as I alluded to in the beginning it, it feels very familiar it looks like repost but there are it's new typefaces there is a new look there is it, it has moved on a bit and was that under a practice for everyday life or yeah, so they've, they've effectively kind of nudged it on a bit. and yeah. yeah, me and Shaz had been chatting about changing things because obviously after two years, you don't want to come back and just be doing exactly the same thing. And we wanted to sort of make it... We were looking at different formats, making it bigger, making it feel a bit looser, changing the masthead. And then... So we carried on those conversations with Apfel and they then... Yeah, we kind of looked at the masthead and the, the cover idea of having like the eight page fold out mm -hmm, cover mm -hmm. which 
we'd originally wanted it to be a little bit lighter, like a lighter weight. Mm -hmm. But um, when it came to binding it, we had these dummies and the there was like this warping Ooh. all the way yeah, along yeah, yeah, with yeah. the lighter paper. So we've had to go for like, I think it's 260 mm -hmm. rather than like a 170 GSM, which, which was what we wanted. But it feels fine, it feels good. Yeah, feels I good. think we just wanted to get away from that like quite bookish feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Shaz involved in some of those big design decisions that happened along the way? Or? No, she kind of, I said, you want to look at anything? And she's like, no, because then it would be like some sort of weird mm -hmm. three-party, like threesome. And it, I think it would have just got yeah. quite sort of awkward. Mm -hmm. So she was like, just do whatever and then we'll pick it up. And I think in a way it's, if it had have been left to me, maybe... I wouldn't have changed the masthead or wouldn't have made so many changes or just maybe would have done things a little bit differently. But I feel like it's changed for... It's kind of liberated and it's it's meant that for the next few issues, we're going to evolve it and mm -hmm. play around with it. And it might not stay like that. We might change it again just to sort of play around with things a little bit. Whereas like the last, the last logo was very much like the riposte for the last 12 issues that was like my 30s that was like <laughs> I feel like it was yeah. very emotional like it was all very linked to yeah. that look and well, feel. It goes back to what you're saying about you're just sort of doing it because you're doing it and you you do you begin to oh that's the logo and just carries on but yeah. sometimes it's good to step back and think actually it doesn't have to be it's yeah. my magazine I exactly what I want. exactly and I think yeah like moving forward and seeing things like meantime the magazine we just talked about from Singapore like why not have mm -hmm. you know the you've got the freedom if you're an indie magazine to do whatever so i think it's exciting to sort of think yeah how can it evolve over the next few issues where can it land by like issue 15 16 whatever and see what happens mm -hmm. so shaz wasn't involved and i have a sense quite a lot of new other team members or contributors were involved a lot of new writers yeah um, and was that equally a time-based thing or, or was it also a desire to shake it up a bit and get some new people? Yeah, I think it was a bit of both. I really wanted to work with some people like Amelia Abraham. She wrote a piece on the language of care, which is really interesting. Uh, yeah, and a few of the different new writers that have come in. Um, I think it's also, yeah, it's just nice to sort of mix it up a bit, isn't it? After two years mm -hmm. of not doing something, like get some different voices and, and, and some of those voices do, from what, you know, I had the opportunity to have a look through it, it seems to be more political in tone, more overtly political. There's definite, like, there's the piece by the Care Collective, and mm -hmm. theirs is very political, and it's about the, the politics of interdependence. And this came from, um, I bought their manifesto, they wrote, like, a little manifesto, and they're a collective of um, academics, writers, thinkers, and it's... So this is definitely a lot more sort of politically minded and there's a few other pieces like the piece on the refugee garden. And I think it was it comes from that idea of care because mm -hmm. it feels like care is politicised at the minute because of the lack of care from the government over the pandemic, the fact that communities had to come in, step in and care for each other because it wasn't, that wasn't Nobody there. Else was there. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of... When you're talking about care, it is very political, so that sort of came through in mm -hmm. in the tone. And, yeah, we kind of, like, in past issues, we've had articles on, like, farting and <laughs> being yeah, silly, yeah, yeah. which this one doesn't have. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say 
that that's never going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, Do you ever look back at the really early issues? Yeah, it's really... I I don't like doing it. (laughs) Well, no, because... I don't know. I mean, I, I I got issue one out. To me, it still holds its own. But do you think? But yeah. But you, but you you. I just feel like we didn't have a proofreader. Like, <laughs> okay. and there's loads of mistakes. Like, I think it's that one that we spelt Kanye West's name wrong, and there's like a random rogue. <laughs> it's a hard name to spell, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. West. There's like a rogue question mark in yeah. in one of the titles, which doesn't need to be there yeah 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 but can you put your hand in your heart and tell me you haven't looked at the new issue and found oh yeah yeah, so, yeah. I mean, things like that but yeah. the overall the tone of it the the, the existence of it the, the ambition of it the, the your editor's letter and stuff is still all sound yeah yeah i haven't looked at that one for a while to be mm. honest but yeah like we spent a long time on thinking what repost was and it came from a place of like what we felt was missing in our lives and what we wanted to read about. So it wasn't like this manufactured thing that was just following a trend. It came from Mm -hmm. like a really solid place, which is maybe why it still Mm -hmm. stands up. Particularly in the context, I mean, there's been, you know, the the whole kind of discussion around feminism, around things, I mean, like the wing, things like this, that Mm. all kind of collapsed in in abject failure. Yeah, Um, I think that's really in that whole like collapse of that capitalist like commercialization of feminism mm-hmm. is it's really a girl boss and yeah. Yeah, yeah but i think that was always going to happen mm-hmm. like it was always see through that the wing was always always about making money for their mm-hmm. shareholders like that rapid growth was never about caring for their community it was all about like obscene yeah, yeah, yeah making obscene amounts of money mm-hmm. and i think when yeah, when feminism is like tret as a commodity, then it's always gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna be see through and it's never gonna end well. I think the same with like a lot of the platforms that aren't around anymore. Like they were always all about money, and the things that have lasted, like Ioni's um, polyester, like mm-hmm. that is Ioni, and it's amazing and. She really cares about her community and she cares about the people that she writes about. And I think stuff like that uh, will stand the test of time because it's from a, a really solid mm-hmm. place. As Riposte is, of course. I mean, I think, Thanks, yeah, Jeremy. But, but, no, but, I mean, it, <laughs> it's obviously been a tough couple of years or 18 months, but, but it's bounced back. And, and the digital side's working well. The magazine's back, and I'm sure that will do well. That, that, and that's associated to, to the subscription, right? It, it, yeah, so there's three different levels, and the Betty level get a free copy every time we release an issue. Mm-hmm. And then there's different um, benefits for each sort of level of membership. But yeah, I, th- I feel like it's a positive move, and it feels like moving on from this to next year... I'm looking forward to sort of developing things and getting back to like events. I was going to say, I mean, the other part of the jigsaw was always that you were always very, in fact, before just before the lockdown, you were very busy with events. You're doing stuff in New York. You know, there seems to be a lot, of, a lot of things happening. It seemed very exciting. Yeah. Obviously, that's been completely on hold. Yeah, no, it's is, not so exciting. Is that coming back? I hope so. We will have had our launch party by the time this comes out. And then we've got some, um, we're just planning some events for the end of the month. And then moving forward, we want to do like a series of events next year, again, sort of based around the theme of care, just to extend the conversation into the new year and look at how people can sort of care for themselves moving out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, events are always really key and 
they're kind of stressful, but I really like meeting the readers yeah. and getting yeah. people together. It's always really worth the effort. We've held Mad Culture Live again for the first time in two years, just a couple of weeks back, and it was just... There were points during the day where it was just so wonderful being in a room full of people. Yeah. And, and you almost didn't want to have to talk. Kind of. it was like <laughs> yeah. Everyone was just sat there chatting and it was like this noise, this kind of hubbub of sound so nice. that you hadn't heard. And it was almost like I didn't want to interrupt them and get a speaker on. You just yeah. wanted them to keep on chatting. Yeah, and I think people have missed it. Life online was really flat and everyone's sick of Zoom and I think you just can't... When you come away from an event, you've met someone new, you have that little buzz, like it's exciting. That's what life's about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think absolutely. we forgot that. Yes. But, and in fact, I was having exactly that conversation last night where I went to um, to launch for a magazine, as it happens, and, uh, and I almost didn't go. It was a cold, wet mm. night. And I was just thinking, oh, I'll just go home. I made myself go. And it just like, it was no, it, you know, to some degree, it was no big deal. It was, I was there for about an hour and I had a drink, saw a couple of people, but I just left there kind of floating just yeah yeah, that's what it is that's what we've missed exactly and I think even if it's uncomfortable or slightly awkward life's uncomfortable and slightly awkward and it's (laughs) like it's good to be reminded of that and like and push yourself a little bit to get out of your comfort zone because I could easily like lie around in my sweats Mm -hmm. all the time but it's not it doesn't make for a happy life does it no well, thank you for joining us. Have you have you got a theme for the next issue? No, not yet. We're kind of working on that and we'll probably get into the theme and planning things in January. For when? For, for March, April? For an April launch. Cool. Great. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a real treat. Thank you. A couple of months ago, we held the first live event at the shop for 18 months when the Modernist team visited from Manchester to talk about their 40th anniversary issue. Uh, Here's an excerpt from our conversation that evening. There's been a few milestones. It's like Campus, which was issue Mm -hmm. five, um, which was the the first of the second year. The the articles were brilliant. Mm -hmm. They were were really good. We We had a couple of really good people writing for us because we'd done four before. Uh, so it went from just our mates to people like Elaine Harwood who um, wrote for it and she, I think she wrote the introduction and I remember thinking God, this is this is quite good You know, this isn't just mm-hmm. a couple of fellas banging a pamphlet out, this is actually quite good so there was that and then when Expo came out, which I think mm-hmm. Expo was the first of year four we changed the designer and it, it, was, just, it was beautiful it was, it was brilliant and I remember thinking we had a we had a launch for it which we'd never done before and and, um, and it just looked great it just looked fantastic and I was something of you know really proud of at that point um, and then I think Journey but by amazing coincidence just showing up now um, that was another milestone for uh-huh. us yeah. I think uh, the photography in it was, was fantastic yeah. really good photography we'd had good photography before but I think as you say it all, it all kind of felt like we kind of matured and um, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So we went from sort of cobbling photographs that we take from the internet mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was a self-serving thing. Is uh, As our reputation grew, people were more willing to uh, contribute photographs. So that's another thing for aspiring is images. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculously expensive, you know, ridiculously expensive. We've been very, very lucky. Um, if you look back up until, I don't know, 
probably when we came in this in, into this format, we really really struggled for for, mm-hmm. for images. You know, we didn't have any. We didn't have enough money to buy any, so we have to rely on, yeah, you know, just have you got any photographs? Can we borrow photographs? And yeah, as a case of even going on Flickr and saying, mm-hmm. can we use this photograph? And we we still do that because we haven't got the budget to buy images. So and you and you, refer, you referred to other aspects of the business, yeah, just now. So. Was it three or four years ago you launched the gallery shop space? It was two years. Two, oh, just two. Two, two years. Yeah. Three, three. Was it? <laughs> two and a half. We lost a year. Though. Yeah. Not long ago, anyway. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that's the significant part of the business. And so, you know, just to, to outline what, what you've got the society, which is organising some events. You yeah. launch a magazine. The events are continuing, presumably. Yeah, they're back up again. They're yeah. back up again. I mean, um, Pandemic aside, but over the years you've been running the events. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then you opened the gallery in the Northern Quarter. Yeah. And what, what, what took you to that? Was that the desire to have your own space to have the events? Or? Because uh, for anybody who knows Manchester, it's it's become, uh, you know, for the artist community, it's become increasingly more marginalised because of property prices yeah. and and what have you. And um, Jack used to work at a, a gallery called Cube, which was an architecture gallery, mm-hmm. and it was funded by Reber and Salford University, and it lost its funding and it closed down, and that was a really good gallery for show. In the, you know, they had mm-hmm. a, a, quite a wide, wide range of architecture, design, furniture, and stuff like that. And once that closed, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. You had commercial galleries selling, you know, pictures of Spider-Man and shit, and then you had the big council galleries yeah. but there was nothing yeah, yeah, in between yeah. there, was, there was no independent galleries and, and it was just like we knew we'd built you know we knew a lot of the artistic community in Manchester and they just had nowhere to show their stuff um, and it was a bit frustrating and it's just like what, you know I, where do we go where do we go to see this stuff you mm-hmm. know um, so again in, in that uh, you know I don't, I don't want to get all mank about it but it's just like um, how long did that take <laughs> we, had, we had a bet in the pub how long it take for me to slug off London um, um, well you haven't yet I'm just about to, I'm just about to. Uh, but it, in a backhanded way it's like in Manchester you know there's there's like this thing it's just like we'll just, we'll just do it you know we'll just go yeah. with it we'll just do it we'll not mm-hmm. wait for anybody else to do it because I don't see any point in that it's just on a personal level and on a you know on a mank level it's mm-hmm. just like well, we'll, just, we'll do it you yeah. know cause, yeah. um, but I think beyond that as well, it's also that it was having a space that was about the community and a space for the people. Well, to that, that, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Is that the only time we ever connected with our audience was at print fairs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it was great, you know. And, and I should have said this very, very well. I kind of alluded to it as we're all about collaboration. The magazine's about mm-hmm. collaboration. Uh, it's you know, it's it's made by lots and lots of different people collaborating, and we've always been about. We couldn't we couldn't be where we were without collaboration. So we didn't have, we didn't connect with our audience and except at print fairs and stuff like that. You know, we, most of the sales were online and stuff like that. Um, and even, you know, at print fairs, people have come up to us and say, oh, you know, look at this, look at this. And mm-hmm. you, you, we've made connections there, you know, people like Craig Oldham and people, people like that. Um, you know, people bring a, a guy called Darren Newman brought this book of photographs and said, do you want to look at this and look to that? And next thing, you know, we published it for him. Um, so what the gallery has served as um, has been, again, I hate it, it's like a forum. You know, it's a, it's a village green. Mm-hmm. You know, people come in the shop yeah. who normally we wouldn't connect with and say, 
watch think of this and you know it, it's fantastic for that mm -hmm. it's really really great for that um, making connections for people so you've got space for small exhibitions and events it, 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 it uh, it's like a two part it's a very it's one of the oldest buildings in manchester actually it's it's a weaver's cottage so at the front we've got a, a shop where we sell the magazine and at the back we devote it to a gallery space the wall is, is pretty much pure gallery mm -hmm. we have got all the walls for, for putting uh, stuff up uh, and obviously all i mean you, you talk about sort of for the community and, and understand that but fundamentally it's it's modernist work it's modernist yes projects. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it kind of has to yeah yeah but i mean uh, ashir and susan uh and sarah at the back was our social media you know they they are they are susan's employees of ours but uh, it's just me and jack basically uh -huh. you know we, we we if it doesn't if we don't like it we won't do it if we like it we'll do it mm -hmm. it's as simple as that there's no committee you know we, we we do have a board but we don't they don't make any creative decisions um and likewise with the magazine i think you know um we've as i say we get guest editors who we kind of think we could trust with with the content um so we we sort of either approach the guest editors because we know that we think they'll get it mm -hmm. um and we don't I, I could think of like two examples where we've had to say no mm -hmm. don't know that's not going to yeah, be it's, yeah. just, it's just not either yeah. it's, it's a crap article or it's just not right um, we had um, and we have we, you know we have pushed it and I'm glad because we, we're not we have no advertising so we, we, you know we don't answer to anybody like during at the beginning of the pandemic uh, as I said we had Craig Oldham was a very very good graphic designer but we didn't get to design it he, he edited it because mm -hmm. he's quite political yeah and uh, that was justice and it was a it was a tough issue you know what i mean it had very little to do with what we did but we we thought it was a really important thing to do mm -hmm. at the time you know it was at the light it was the time of black lives matter and the pandemic was hitting and stuff like that so if you look at justice there's very little about you know <laughs> Dieter Rams or anything yeah. like that. It's about important issues, but we did it because it kind of felt right, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. uh, and we can get away with it. And then we followed it up with a really light and breezy issue uh, just to get us back on track. So thank you very much to the whole team for the Modernist who came down uh, for that celebration, and in particular to Eddie, who uh, who I was in conversation with. Uh, it's notable now. I mean, they was they were celebrating their fortieth anniversary, but it's noticeable how many of the magazines we sell and celebrate here have been celebrating various anniversaries. Um, Riposte, as we heard, is on issue thirteen. Perhaps not a number to celebrate, but uh, a whole range from from the Gentlewoman, uh, Port. Uh, a lot of magazines are, are, are notching up some significant numbers. It's great to see so many of the magazines we we sell and celebrate really establish themselves over a period of time and, and extend their publishing programme uh, on and on. Uh, but of course, there's lots of new magazines too. And one particular of note is uh, Inc. magazine, which, which launched last night. I mentioned I'd been at a launch um, when I was talking with Danielle earlier. And uh, there's time yet for a proper review uh, of the new magazine, but I think it's fair to say it's probably one of the most um, most anticipated new launches for some time, coming as it does from the people behind Port Magazine. That's Dan Crow, the editor, uh, and Matt Willey, art director. 
Uh, and I have to say my first impression is a mixed one. It's a wonderful physical object. Um, I think maybe many people who are anticipating it off, off the back of Port and, and, and some of the other projects that the two have worked together on might be expecting something with a lot more fireworks to it uh, visually. Uh, and it's not to say it's not brilliant visually, but it's very calm and very quiet in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I've been flicking through it today uh, in anticipation of having a chat here on the podcast. And, I, and I'm coming around to the point of view that it's deliberately so. Uh, it is a very calm, classic, almost timeless piece of magazine design. It is packed with the most extraordinary content, brilliant writing that promises much. I haven't had time to read it. Brilliant photography from some really serious names. There's a surprise here in the sense that we, that we have an editor and an art director working together who are known for making stuff which is really quite flamboyant and uh, spectacular. And this is spectacular in a different way. This is made to last and it sort of feeds into the very basis of the programme and that is that they're going to produce 10 issues of this, one every year for the next 10 years and then the project will end. And I think the calmness and the kind of relative assuredness and relaxedness of it is because of that. This isn't a kind of quick burn magazine. This is a long-term heavyweight project. And I'm really, really, the more I think about it, the more I flick about it, my initial kind of slight scepticism at seeing it is building into something that I'm really excited about. So um, look out for a review soon uh, on the journal. After this quick break, I'll be telling you about this episode's back issue. London Printers Park Communications play a key part in the independent publishing scene, helping ambitious magazine makers turn their dreams into reality. As well as Repost, look at the latest issues of ID, Kinfolk, Port to get a sense of what's possible. Four very different magazines, all beautifully produced. As well as helping you achieve the highest creative standards, Park are fully committed to helping you produce your magazine in the most environmentally friendly and sustainable manner. Check their website for details. Search Park Communications. Just like Mag Culture, Park love magazines and we're proud to have them sponsor this podcast. So we finished the uh, episode as ever with our back issue. And for this one, uh, Pictional Magazine that's only relatively recently ceased publication. Uh, it was interesting hearing Danielle talking about her um, slight confusion around what the future held for her magazine, Repost. But Mondial, the football magazine, which launched in 2014, uh, actually came to the point of ceasing publication when the lockdown first happened uh, in 2020. And that was a surprise because it was right, it was very much sort of surfing a hugely successful wave of interest. It had started out as a very independently minded and sort of almost wannabe, sort of almost too cool for school type football magazine. And editor-in-chief uh, Dan Sanderson is, as, as I've seen him speak several times about the project and how they learned through the process of making it that it there was space for a magazine that kind of bridged the indie sector and the mainstream sector. And by becoming a little more mainstream, it became hugely uh, popular commercially. And it was a great alternative to the mainstream, and yet it also was competing with the mainstream. But sadly, when the, you know, the, print, the print edition did end, but there's just a glimmer that something may be developing again. Over the summer recently, they reprinted their entire back catalogue and it promptly sold out online. So perhaps there'll be a new one soon. Um, I certainly hope so. It's something that we've missed. And on, in our sports section here at the Mag Culture Shop, we always have a, quite a range of football magazines and there's certainly something lacking at the moment without Mundial on it. 
So that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. Um, thank you to Sam for recording us. Thank you very much to Danielle for joining us and, and telling us about the new issue. Uh, highly recommend that you that, that you check that out. One final thing to mention, um, with Christmas coming up, we're planning to do a fundraising campaign, as we've done before, for uh, a local homeless charity. Shelter from the Storm offer uh, beds to the homeless um, locally where we are here in London. Uh, we've helped them before with a raffle and we're planning to re- repeat the raffle this year with an event on uh, December the 16th, so watch out for news of that. But we're also hoping to be able to extend it online and, and even if you can't make it to the event or uh, make it along in real life, we hope that you'll be paying attention as we try and raise funds across the whole of December, so watch out for that. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.